Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Great to have you along. If this is the first podcast of ours you've listened to, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and well, we'd love to have your feedback as well. You can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well. Uh, I'm here pretty much every week, uh, but one man that we occasionally have on the podcast, uh, it's always a joy when we do have him. We used to have him a little bit more often, but you know, life gets in the way. It's one, the only, Matthew Day Gillett. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Hey man, yeah, good, good, good to be back again. Um, I do seem to flit in and out like the wind, don't I? It's your boy's fifth birthday. I can remember when we first started this podcast, he was like one, and now he's off to school. Not even. <laughs> Not even one when we first started the podcast. He was through, what, uh, July, August, September. Three, he was three, three months, months old, old when yeah. we started the podcast. So, yeah, time flies. And then I remember going to a, uh, a bike launch I rode a Ducati, no, a, a, a Duke, a KTM Duke, and you drove the family wagon, and we went to ride some beaters, and he came along and and, and yeah. got amongst on the bikes. Oh, man, that's right. Yeah, and Dad came along to um, child wrangle so I could play on the bikes. It was actually good fun. Um, I'd love to do another launch like that, but... Mm, yeah, we'll see how things go. Oh, it's crazy how time flies. Um, in the show, Matt, uh, we're going to talk. Um, what are we? Gonna, we're going to talk an update on the YSS suspension in the T7. Um, we've got some new Triumph 400s coming, which is very exciting. Uh, fuel's gone back up. That's in the zeitgeist at the moment. But we're going to kick things off with the top five. And this week on the top five, five astounding motorcycle facts. That motorcycle enthusiasts may find interesting. Ooh. In at number five on the top five motorcycle facts this week, the first motorcycle was invented in 1885 by Gottlieb Daimler and Wilhelm Maybach, who attached a gasoline engine to a wooden bicycle frame. You wouldn't even find a wooden bicycle these days, leave alone you, putting a petrol engine on You wouldn't on want one. to ride one. Well, actually, no, you would find it. You'd find one in Africa, wouldn't you? You see all sorts of cool contraptions in Africa. What do you um, think's the yeah. oldest motorcycle you've ever ridden? I've ever ridden. Probably your old uh, Hyosung. Yeah, probably. I don't think I've actually got much experience on classic bikes. Um, yeah, trying to think. I wanted to ride the Red Baron Veg's um, R100GS or um, Black Betty, which is Ben's R80GS, um, but the opportunity has never quite arisen. But um, yeah, that's... My old GT250 Hyacinth, 2006. So, yeah, I've not really ridden much old stuff. Wow. Well, I, any old stuff. My first ever <laughs> motorbike was a 1984 Honda VT250F. I remember that. It was white, wasn't it? It was. It was a great bike. Well, it was a terrible bike as well. Uh, <laughs> top five list of astounding motorcycle facts. And at number four, in the early 20th century, motorcycle sidecars were a popular mode of transportation for families, with some models featuring built-in picnic sets and even miniature pianos. Ooh, I don't know about the pianos and picnic sets, but I do know that um, when my dad was born and grew up his early years in London and my grandfather had a motorcycle and a sidecar and one of the reasons that my dad wasn't allowed to start riding until he was in his 50s was that my grandmother was deathly afraid that he'd fall off again because when he was a wee fella he managed to fall off while the sidecar was in action he fell off <laughs> and granddad didn't know 
Mm-hmm. It's Took amazing how how far uh, health and safety's come because my my wife would not get in a sidecar. <laughs> she, my wife has suggested a sidecar until I point out that it would take up a decent amount of space inside her sewing room, and then she goes, "Oh yeah, maybe not." In <laughs> <laughs> at number I'm three, totally in at number three on the top five astounding motorcycle facts that motorcycle enthusiasts may or may not find interesting. Harley Davidson is the Harley Davidson is the oldest motorcycle manufacturer in continuous production with the company having been founded in 1903. Ooh, I might have something to say about that. I think Royal Enfield might actually have something to say about that. In continuous production? Continuous production. Not in the same factory. That might be the thing. But um, Royal Enfield, I think, started before Harley. Oh, I, I'm happy to be stood corrected. If you, listener, dear listener, know, chuck it up in the comments at the bottom of this podcast, wherever you, uh, well, chuck it on Facebook and let us know that we, we aren't very, well, I'm not very good at fact-checking. Uh, Matt's got his phone out, so maybe we'll, we'll come back to Founded that Founded in 1901. Oh, by two years. Look at that. But have they been continuously in production since then? That's the question. Well, I think it's a matter of semantics because the original Royal Enfield Company went bust along with all the other um, British manufacturers and the great British dying. Um, But their Indian subsidiary or Indian plant kept on going and has been waving the flag ever since. So, Okay, so the oldest motorcycle manufacturer is either Harley-Davidson from 1903 or Royal Enfield from 1901. (laughs) Yeah, depending on how you view things. The top five motorcycle facts that uh, motorcycle enthusiasts may find interesting in at number two. In the 1960s, the Japanese motorcycle industry underwent a period of rapid growth with companies like Honda, Yamaha and Suzuki becoming major players in the global market. So previous to the 1960s, you wouldn't have looked twice at a Japanese motorcycle, much like many will look, won't look twice at a, in a, um, an Indian or a, um, a Chinese, Chinese motorcycle these days. Yeah, it's interesting considering, you know, looking in the background, there's a rather well put together Chinese made motorcycle right behind you, Ray, um, that a lot of people sort of put their noses up. I started it up the other day because it hasn't been ridden in about two weeks. And, oh, it's got a great exhaust tone. It really does. It sounds fantastic. Uh, of, yeah, course, oh. of course, for, for people that can't see the visuals, we're talking about the, um, the Moto Marini CMSO 6.5 SCR. Uh, top five astounding motorcycle facts that many motorcycle inf- enthusiasts may or may not find interesting. Number one, the Isle of Man TT race was first held in 1907 as considered one of the most prestigious motorcycle races in the world with riders competing on public roads at speeds of up to and in some cases exceeding 300 kilometres per hour. Yeah, that's a hard no thanks for me. <laughs> I'd love to give it a crack, but not at those speeds. Like, there's no not margin there. <laughs> for error. You, you see some of those slow-mo videos of the dudes, like, grazing their shoulder on a brick wall on the inside of the bend and then swinging right out. Because they don't have footpaths or anything on half the track. Like, you're right up against trees and walls. and Yeah, nah. <laughs> there you go. That's your top five for this week. The top five astounding motorcycle facts that motorcycle enthusiasts may or may not find interesting if you found them interesting chuck it up in the comments below let us know what you thought was the most interesting 
Time now for our winter riding tip. Thank you very much to Protector Insurance. Motorcycle insurance by motorcyclists for motorcyclists. Uh, trying to do themselves out of a job. If you want to find out if you can be on a better plan as far as your motorcycle insurance goes, go to protector.co.nz. Plan for breaks and warm-ups. Riding in cold temperatures can lead to faster fatigue and decreased concentra- concentration. Plus, for regular plan for regular breaks to warm up and rest. When stopping, find sheltered areas to avoid wind chill. Use heated grips or gloves to keep your hands warm during the ride. Take advantage of heated gear and heated seats if your motorcycle is equipped with them or can be equipped with them. Stay hydrated by carrying a thermos of something warm to drink. Or stop for lots and lots of coffees. Being comfortable and alert will enhance your overall riding experience and safety. There's nothing wrong with stopping at every single petrol station you see, petrol station or bakery, for a coffee and a pie. Tell you what, BP chicken pies are brilliant at the moment. Uh, So yeah, thank you very much Protector Insurance for your winter riding tip. Go to protector.co.nz to see if you're on the best plan possible. You can do third party, you can do full insurance, you could potentially get cover for your track day experiences, uh, a rebate if you do a Ride Forever course, and uh, a whole lot more. They cover you for your bike and your gear. Uh, They can even cover dirt bikes, as I found out recently. So to find out more, go to protector.co.nz. Thank you very much, Protector Insurance, for sponsoring this segment on Kiwi Rider Podcast. Fuel has gone back up, Matt, as you uh, as you choke on your dinner. Fuel has gone back up, although technically not a price hike. Uh, it's a reintroduction of the taxes that we used to have, but it is noticeable. It's gone up by, I think it was 25 cents with a tax and 4 cents with a GST or something crazy like that. Yeah, total of 29 cents was what I read. Um, I haven't filled up since it went up on July 1st. Um, have you... Well, I actually have. So going back to the days where I used to ride the MT-07 to work every day, roughly the same distance as I do now, it cost me about $20 a week. More recently, 25 to 27 per tank, and it was a tank per week. Uh, I filled up on Sunday. It cost me $32 in the Tenere 700, which is not a massive thing for us motorcyclists, but with the current rate of inflation, cost of living going up, that's rep- reported in almost every media outlet to date it is going to have an impact for a lot of people oh yeah yes i'm very glad that um i filled up the marini before um, it all went up because that's an 18 liter fuel tank and i'm used to filling up maybe nine if i'm pushing it on the rally so yeah but i'm gonna have to fill that up tomorrow because i'm off uh to auckland to collect a test motorcycle which is exciting oh Maybe we'll talk about that later yeah. on if we're allowed. Um, although I know the price of 91 up around the northern end of the country is $2.50 to $2.90 a litre. Um, here in Lower Hutt, or Upper Hutt, I should say, the local Z station, 91's been sitting around that $2.25, $2.35 a litre mark, which has been pretty pretty good. Two sixty nine a litre uh, is what I paid for the T7. Um, but uh, let us know on Facebook if you've got uh, a petrol station in your area that's that's cheaper than the rest. I know generally gulls are quite cheap because they're um, unmanned stations, but as far as um, Zs go, that one in, in Upper Hutt is the cheapest I have ever seen. If you're in Upper Hutt, go to that one on Ferguson Drive. It's it's really good. And the Gatsby app is really good for finding cheap petrol too. Have you used that, Matt? Gatsby? 
I have, but then because um, my uh, incredibly long commute of taking the children to school is 5K each way, if I'm lucky, um, yeah, there's a Waitomo petrol station, which, uh, like the gulls, um, unmanned, and it's the cheapest in town by a good 15 to 20 cents a litre, depending on what you're getting. Uh, so I literally just fuel up there. They've got a cool little app, which um, obviously not sponsored or anything, but you can literally just, instead of queuing up for the FPOS machine with every other Tom, Dick and Harry, you can open up the app, select the pump you're standing next to and pay from your phone, which is very handy. Um, and they let you do a scratchy at the end sometimes, which is even more fun. So what I do, <laughs> I don't go to any of the fancy big prank. Big- so there you go. Let us know if you've got a cheap petrol station in your neighbourhood. Love to hear from you. The Tenere 700 is now YSS equipped. YSS suspension in the T7 has been thoroughly tested. It's been about a month since YSS cartridges and shock were fitted to the Tenere 700. And if you haven't uh, caught up on any of my previous stories, here's the too long didn't read. I called Robert Hadley at RS Motorcycles. I needed something. I had a leaky fork seal and I didn't know what else to do, but I figured it would would be a minimum need to be uh, sprung for my weight. We decided to throw the entire book at the bike with the gold standard YSS option uh, chosen um, and the shock itself the YSC shock has uh, high and low speed compression damping as well as a bunch of other stuff I've got rebound I've got preload adjustment um, so how does it handle on the road uh, the big difference that was noticeable on the road was that the bike doesn't um, it doesn't pitch its nose down when I touch the brakes anymore well not as obviously anyway which is absolutely brilliant um also doesn't squat as much under acceleration or under my heavy lard ass uh, instead it's very very stable in the corners but the big change I noticed was when I got it off road and Matt I know that you've been through a similar story with Rosie the rally when you got your um your suspension done um do you remember what your first ride on the bike was like when you first got it done yeah, because I recorded it. Um, I was honestly, I was just wow. The first, um, I left Moto SR in Topor. Um, so Scotty Brooker and the team did my suspension on my bike. Not where, nowhere near as um, hardcore as what you've thrown at the T7. Uh, mine was just simply resprung and revalved at both ends um, for my lard ass. And yeah, literally went to hop on it and the bike didn't sag anywhere near as much. It's almost like it doesn't sag at all anymore. Um, and yeah, man, like just, it felt so much sharper. Um, and then getting on to some dirt, um, again, so much sharper, felt so much more in control. Yeah. I remember so that, that first that ride feeling first ride when you got on the dirt was our, um, was our, uh, 40 second traverse, um, ride, right. And you were, you were absolutely loving it. I mean, you weren't, you were no slouch off road to begin with. But with the new suspension, you were you were going for it. I was I was having a job keeping up with you. Oh, it made it from me basically plowing into uh, bumps and ruts, and basically the bike just plowing over it and kicking up, and it was hard work at the pace I was trying to ride it. Um, and then yeah, it just like that made it so that the bike was just doing exactly what you wanted it to do. Um, there was no un expected sort of kicks in the ass when you sort of go over a wee lump in the road it wasn't going to bounce back up and whack here or anything like that it's um yeah it truly transformed the control of the bike which is one of the reasons i still have that bike and haven't sold it and gotten anything else because 
it just works so well now. Yeah, the the YSS suspension off road is really when it shows its um its strengths. So similarly to to on road where there was less dive under brakes, less squat on acceleration, but uh, where the previous setup would deem the bike a little bit unpredictable, the Tenere Seven Hundred I'm talking about now in rough conditions, it now tracks straight and true. So riding on rough terrain, the shock. Um, hits it used to hit small bumps and and kind of spear off in any direction that it, it wanted to. It no longer does that. If you do feel the bump at all, it's it just rolls over the bump. Uh, you don't feel like the bike's being shaken to within an inch of its life anymore. Um, it's just it's just solid. It it's gone from being a lumbering Labrador to a sure-footed mountain goat. Nice. So are you going to try and sign up for one hard day at a Raglan in September now, or are you going to do like the long way around? I um, did sign up for that in a in a kind of let me know when it's on kind of sense. Um, the other ride was the April Fool's ride I'd signed up for, but uh, it never actually eventuated. But- yeah, it got cancelled because of cyclone damage, which it's now been renamed uh, one big day and it's happening in December on my wedding anniversary. So, um, well, you to that. I am not going to be doing that, um, one anymore. Um, but yeah, one sounds like you need to test it out at like one hard day or the Krieg a long way around, uh, the long way around is based out of Topor and go around the lake the long way. Um, Sounds like a good test for the T7, man. Absolutely. And there's actually a lot of rides coming up uh, that I want to do. But, of course, being a family man, uh, time is limited. Um, Going from from today, you and I have been talking about um, a Matariki mission. Uh, There's the the one long day and and the other epic events, um, rides that we've been talking about. And the... Yamaha Adventure Ride for 2024 has just been announced, which is uh, when's when's the Burt Munro? Is that January or February? February. It's beginning of February, that um, Tenere Ride. Yeah, so um, the Tenere Ride is the week leading up to the Burt Munro, starting in Blenheim and ending in Invercargill. That is a long way. That is basically like the Dusty Butt, which is still on my want-to-do list. Um, and I think it's still going to be on my... Um, must do list before i even think about selling the rally now um but yeah that's that's going to be a big event um bit pricey i imagine sort of something that big yeah i think it was 1200 dollars entry on top of that you've got to do your accommodation and fuel but um it is justified it's a lot of money like no two ways about it. There's a lot of money there, but you do have a support person following you up. You've got mechanics on hand. You've got a person organizing the road on trails that you probably won't get to do if you're not on an organized ride. Um, so it is justified. Yeah, that is where your a lot of your money in these organized rides goes, isn't it? Um, like I've only done the one big day, which is now renamed one hard day ride. And just the access to farms and remote beaches and stuff, you just... You can't do it otherwise. Um, they really grease the wheels, and the farmers end up helping you out as well. Um, when we did one, when I did one big day with Craig Loads, um, there was a farmer that literally ended up getting his side by side and a tow rope and dragging Craig's eleven ninety out of about foot deep mud because we'd picked it up about five or six times and gave up. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. 
so, uh, so a lot of money. But long story short, the Tenere Seven Hundred is an absolute dream to ride off road. It's um, it, with that YACS suspension package, it's more like what it was meant to be um, as a big dirt bike, and I'm quite enjoying it. And yeah, I'm going to have to get on some of these rides and 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 um, try it out a bit more. Definitely, man. Look forward to seeing you out there. <laughs> And our final story this episode, um, big news out of Triumph Motorcycles, Matt. They've got a new line of 400cc Lambs bikes that have finally broken cover. Tell me more. Yeah, so it's quite exciting. I, for me, at least, I'm sort of been thinking dirty thoughts um, about um, one of them. So there's two new bikes coming out from Triumph. They're both powered by the same engine. Uh, they're 398ccs, uh, 39 and a half horsepower. Um, and they're called the Speed 400. So it's a miniature, well, not really a miniature. It's a smaller version, Lamb's um, version of, say, the Speed Twin and the Scrambler 400X, which is obviously smaller capacity version of Triumph's Scrambler line. And I think they just, they look awesome. They look just like a Triumph should. They're completely developed um, from a design standpoint. Um, and the engine is designed in... The UK at Hinkley, where Triumph's based, but they're built in India by Bajaj um, Auto, who's a massive Indian manufacturer. Um, we're not going to see them until January, from what I understand. Uh, they're going to be uh, launched, I believe, next month in India, and I think they're probably going to use that as a bit of a beta test, sort of iron out any kinks before they hit the Western markets. Um, but they look really, really cool. Um, so yeah, well, like I said, 39.5 horsepower, 37.5 newton meters of torque, uh, six-speed gearbox, water cooling, dual overhead cams. Um, they're looking like they're going to be a fun bike. And I think that's what Triumph's really been missing out, um, apart from affordable as well, which Triumph's promising they're going to be attainable, which has also been a problem with the Triumph brand. You haven't been had anything cheaper than say 15 grand or whatever like trident's the current cheapest triumph you can get um so now they've really um learn- they've really dialed in their market here too because i see they've on top of the uh, seven inch 17 inch cast or alloy wheels um or what re- are them scrambler gets a 19 inch front um but they've got integrated lcd screens um, they've got all the information you could ever want, gear position indicator, fuel, all that stuff, digital taco, and a USB charging socket, which I think is really going to, um, it's it's the, the must-have equipment for younger riders. And on top of that, yeah, they, exactly. they looked very similar. Well, the ones I saw, they reminded me of the Triumph Trident. Yeah, they do a bit. The, um, so they're single-cylinder. they got the exhaust pipe exits sort of um, out of the front front almost the front right hand side of the um cylinder head and it wraps down around the right hand side of the bike um the scrambler also gets slightly longer travel suspension um and it's a bit taller weighs in at 179 kilograms fully fueled Uh, they got a 13 liter fuel tank so it'll be interesting what their fuel economy is once they announce it after they've tested it all um the uh speed 400 is only 170 kilos so that could be quite a lot of fun they've also got traction control and abs um traction control switchable on both of them and the abs is switchable on the scrambler so you can actually yeah that's one of the things i've been looking at i'm going 
Well, apart from the cast wheels, um, like that could almost replace the Honda for me, um, considering how little actual hard off-roading I do. But then I'm like, oh, but I like my Honda. I haven't um, seen one of these yeah. in, per- in person, obviously, but um, I feel like Triumph have a habit of making things out of metal more than plastic as well. So I'm picking the tanks are going to be more metal than plastic. Um, you're going to get like, you know, fork guards and that sort of stuff, I'm assuming, out of plastic. But that that makes me nervous in a scrambler when you've got a metal tank because I've seen a uh, a Ducati scrambler with a metal tank with a nice big ding in it on a on a Ducati ride day. Yeah, that would be a thing about you'd have to be a bit. Mm, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a risky take, I guess. Um, I think it's almost a risk worth taking. There, it's not a reason not to buy the bike. That's for sure. Oh, definitely not. Like if you. Don't drop it. You'll be sweet, man. Um, the crash bars is part of one of the accessories they've got. Um, they've got over 25 accessories for both um, lined up already. I think they look like a heck of a lot of fun. Um, like I said, um, do, do, do. one thing that I do sort of question is the USB charger is USB-C. So it kind of limits you on what you can charge off it, off the back. Yeah, because most devices come with a USB-C on one end, which is the device end, and a USB-A, which is your standard USB port on the other end. Um, That was something I pointed out when we finally found the USB charger on the side of the Harley-Davidson Sportster S and Pan America. That's a USB-C, which is, it's kind of weird to have a double-ended USB-C. I only have... One device that has USB at both ends, and that's my MacBook Pro. <laughs> um, like, I do have other devices that are USB-C. Like, I'd be able to charge, say, my DJI action cameras um, off it, or you can charge a Cardo off it. Um, but you're going to have to find a USB-C plug that has USB-C at both ends, or USB-C one end, and what is it, Lightning for an iPhone? Um, Still the same plug, yeah. Same yeah, plug, different I think protocol. everything's going USB-C now anyway, isn't it? So maybe it's not such a big deal, but that was one thing. Um, yeah, pricing-wise, we're not going to find out until around December, I, is the way I understand it. Uh, Trump's promising it's going to be affordable, but in my head, I've been sort of comparing it around what else is in the market, sort of like cheapest end, you've got the Royal Enfield Hunter 350, um, and then sort of the higher end, you've got the KTM 390s. Um, which sort of will also compete with these Triumphs. They've also got similar tech. Um, KTMs have TFT screens, um, but very otherwise similar tech packages. So I'm thinking if they price it around the 10, between 10 to 11 and a half grand, I think they'll be on the money. Any higher than that, they'll sort of, I think, struggle with the other options you've got out there. Like then you start getting into the likes of like the Honda CB500s. Um, yeah, it's going to be, It'll be quite interesting to see what the pricing is once it is announced close to launch. But um, I find I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I think it's going to be great for the Triumph brand. I've always wanted a Triumph. I've just never been able to afford one. So, yeah, it's exciting times at Triumph. Two new 400cc Triumphs coming to the market. Looking forward to it. If you want to see photos, more information, and all the specs, plus the full write-up, professionally written by our man Matthew Day Gillett, go to onthrottle.co.nz. And that about wraps up the show, Matt. <clears throat> oh, I'm getting so I'm getting fast. choked up about it. 
Just like that. <laughs> um, happening right now at the Moto NZ YouTube channel. We finally crossed over the 1,000 subscribers, Mark, so thank you very much if you were one of those. Uh, we've got... Um, Right now, the off-road test of the new suspension is the latest video. Coming up, I it's a full hour long, uh, no voiceover or anything, um, but it's an hour long uh, jaunt out to Ocean Beach in Wadarapa where I absolutely ruined the rims on my Tenere 700. They are not oh, painted I've seen the anymore. Photos. Um, are they out of balance after that? Because it looked like you're taking a chunk out of your wheel weights. Oh, the wheel weights got annihilated. Luckily, um, the 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 what are they? Um, lead wheel weights are very malleable, but they are very dented <laughs> and re reshaped. Um, so they're mostly still attached. <laughs> they are still there, but uh, also the the Midas EO7s are ruined now. So I need some new tires. I'll probably go back to the original tires because they've still got a little bit of meat on them, and I'm going to be doing commuting for the next few months. Um, what's happening at the On Throttle YouTube channel lately, Matt? And what do you got coming up? Oh well, uh, as of this week, uh, the latest video is actually an interview I did while I was in Malaysia with. Um, one of the product marketing guys from the Moto Guzzi factory. Oh, is that the um, interview Arturo. we played last week on the podcast? Yes, that one. So I've actually got the video of that. I filmed it um, with video um, cutaways. So you can actually see what we're talking about as I cut away two close-ups of the bike um, and everything. It makes a lot more sense when you can actually see it. Um, I've also compared, like I briefly touched on just before, uh, the Triumph 400s to the Royal Enfield counterparts, which is the Hunter 350 and Scram 411. Um, basically, my conclusion there is Triumph's not trying to steal Royal Enfield's lunch. Royal Enfield is that absolute bargain basement, great value. If you make it any cheaper, it's going to be made out of lead sort of thing. Um, Triumph's sort of slotting in above them in the market. Um, but I thought it was interesting to compare them specs-wise and everything. Um, and coming up, Finally this week, um, so I hope to have a video done by uh, Sunday, which is when I release new content on the On Throttle channel, uh, the first service of the Moto Marini X-Cape, which has been over a month in the making. <laughs> so it was end of May I crossed that 1,000 kilometre mark on the X-Cape, and since then we've been sort of juggling around sick children, um, sick staff at Triumph, um, well at Moto Marini's HQ, um, and then I went to Malaysia and all sorts of things. So um, that's finally happening this Wednesday. So I hope to do a video and answer some questions on what's involved in that first service, um, as well as finally open up the throttle and give it a good ring. So um, yeah, that's that's what's coming up in the immediate future. And then of course we've got our planned Matariki ride, which we haven't really planned at all. So yeah, <laughs> we should probably do something about that. We really should. I've got the time off, so I'm still in. <laughs> Go to uh, uh, YouTube, search out uh, On Throttle NZ, or choose uh, Moto NZ uh, Moto NZ on YouTube. Uh, your website, Matthew J. Gillett, uh, onthrottle.co.nz, my website, uh, motonz.com. There's Kiwi Rider magazine out twice a month, absolutely free for you to read, download, and enjoy. Go to kiwirider.co.nz. Matt, uh, Matt writes the news. I have a story in there on the first half of the suspension in my bike, and there'll be a follow up story coming up for the magazine. Otherwise, uh, thank you very much for your time, Matt. Oh, no worries, man. I really should make an effort to do this more often, but um, I forget. Life. <laughs> Hashtag life. 
He's been Matt. I've been Ray. Keep the rubber side down the throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. <laughs>